Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. You're very welcome to a Choice Music Prize edition. We're going to be talking about the 10 Irish albums that were nominated for the Choice Music Prize this year from last year, from 2022. Um, and joining us to cast our eye over those albums and everything around it is our my regular co-host, Andrea Cleary. Hello. And we have special guest, writer and journalist Una Mullally is here. Hello. Oh, yeah. So we've done this before in a more chaotic fashion where we had five people, six people on a call. And uh, it was, let's be honest, for me, it was an absolute pain in the arse to edit. And we did lose some audio, I remember, at that time. That's not going to happen this time. Touching wood. It's fine. Um, but we are going to be talking about these 10 albums. And uh, so if you don't know what the Choice Music Prize is, been running for about uh, 10 or 15 years now. 15 years, probably, plus. And... Uh, I think it's the 17th, maybe. Um, anyway, it's been running for a while. It is now called the RT Choice Music Prize, uh, presented in association with Imro and Irma. The winning album uh, of the year wins 10 grand uh, as a prize fund provided by Imro and Irma. The idea is that, you know, if you're not paying attention to Irish music or you're not, it gives them an extra bump in terms of visibility. That's the idea anyway. Um, every year we look at the choice and uh, the albums list and kind of decide. We look at it and kind of go, well, what's this say about Irish music? Um, the actual choice music prize Irish album of the year, like the Mercury's and, and the Polaris and whatever, are decided uh, on the night by a round table of judges, 11 judges in total to stop kind of tiebreakers, I presume. And uh, we could maybe uh, address that a bit later on. But uh, here are the nominees for the Choice Music Prize Irish Album of the Year. They are a self-confessed global pop star from Ireland. It's Kira Mary Alice Thompson, CMAT, If My Wife Knew I'd Be Dead. I'm so lonely, so lonely, and I don't have any 
Fontaine's DC, Skinty Fia, the third album and the third nomination for the London-based Dubliners. Will it be third time looking? We have Ifanessa Francis with Protector, the second album from the Dublin psyche folk artist. To Dundalk, we have the five-piece alt-rock band Just Mustard and their second album, uh, released on Parsan Records. Um, it is Just Mustard and Heart Under. We have uh, Dermot Kennedy, Sonder, the second album from Ireland's biggest songwriting pop export, possibly in the last five years. I wish I could have known that I should hold on tight to every single word, to every summer night. I wish I could have known that forever was a lie. But once upon a time, I wish something to someone. Once upon a time. Then back to Dundalk, we have the Merry Wallopers, their self-titled debut album of basically finest drinking songs. Oh, Mary, are you dancing? Oh, no, it's just that we are standing. Ah, ah, glory, hallelujah, whatever oil and the orange juice. Anamika Theatre, the Wicklow singer-songwriter, her second album of alt folk. We have a second album of an anthemic indie rock or queer dream blues from Pillow Queens called Leave the Light On. There's Sorka Richardson, Smiling Like an Idiot, a second album on Faction Records, a collection of synth indie pop music. Last but not least, it's Thumper, Delusions of Grandeur. That's a six-piece uh, double drumming, triple guitars rock band who've been active since 2018. 
so there's the overall list. Um, has anybody any uh, specific thoughts about the uh, what that kind of says at the moment in terms of Irish music? Is that a fair reflection of um, what happened in the last year or so? Do you feel like there's any glaring omissions before we delve any further? I find it interesting that there's two Dundalk albums on mm. the list. Dundalk's uh, been Dundalk flying is, it lately. Yeah, it's becoming kind of an increasingly a point of interest for Irish music in a similar way to how we all kind of copped on to Limerick a few years ago. <laughs> Seems like we're all copping on to Dundalk now around the same time. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's quite notable. That's quite interesting um, for Dundalk. I think one of like the most um, present bands on the list isn't on the list. So being Gillibond. Yeah. You can mm. you can hear their influence in a few of the records and mm. yeah, most normal isn't on there, which I think is kind of mad. Um and I yeah, think Salotype was overlooked as well. Okay, Salo. yeah. Yeah, Gilliband certainly talked about as one of the most uh, influential bands of the last ten years, and you're right, the album is not on this list. So uh perhaps a bizarre decision. You never know how these things work out and why it didn't make it, but yeah, you say like there, you could say that Just Mustard, um, their album features on that would be heavily influenced by Gilliband. Fontaines are always talking about how they're uh, inspired by Gilliband. Lots of other stuff. For me, there was a couple of very small records that I would have loved to see on that rec on that list. But sh- sure, that's the way it works. There's a a lovely record from uh, Robocobra Quartet from Belfast called "Living It Isn't Easy." Didn't make it near the list. Uh, Olive Olive. Uh, electronic producer from Dublin had a lovely album called Life in Colour. Um, Elaine Howley, The Distance Between Heart and Mouth, Cork based artist, really fantastic album. Um, and Cormac Begley, actually, the Kerryman concertina player who's mm. doing some really amazing things with that instrument and ha- has been doing that for quite a while and pretty groundbreaking in his own field, I think. So, um, yeah, that would be that. And you said, yeah, cello tape as well, I guess, you know, in the other. Category Cello is nominated for Breakthrough Artists and also Irish Artists of the Year. So it'll be interested to see if it gets anywhere with that. And of course, the Irish Song of the Year as well is um, Cello's in that as well. No love. Um, uh, but that is a, more, a public vote, essentially. So we kind of don't really talk about that as much where the Irish Album of the Year is decided by judges. So uh, will we start uh, alphabetically? Um, I'm going to throw to Andrea first, of course, because as uh, the world's leading scholar on CMAT, uh, <laughs> I have to ask how you feel. <laughs> I mean, I know how you feel about if my wife knew I'd be dead, but what, what is there anything new we can say about that at this point? This is the most confident I've ever gone into a choice that my favourite oh. album is absolutely going to win. <laughs> And you do realize that that is like the the, the curse. I know. Yeah. I like I. That's what happens. Yeah. Af- Never be sure. Apart from the year I was a judge, the album I wanted to win that year won, um, which worked out nicely. But I think every other year I wanted a different album to win. So this year I'm like, yeah, I'm putting all my eggs in the CMAP basket. Um, there's one or two others that I'd be more than happy uh, about it winning, but I just feel like CMAP, um like last year was the year of CMAT, you know, she did the number one album. She had some incredible gigs. Uh, I was at her gig in the, um, I'm bad. No. What, what gig was that? Her first, the Olympia gig. No, the it? one before that. Academy. The Academy. Uh, at her Academy gig, it was one of the best gigs I've ever been to in my life. Um, I think it's a 
it's a brilliant, brilliant album. It's the the album from this list that I'm still listening to the most. I kind of never stopped listening to it since it came out and it would absolutely have my vote. I would be insufferable in that room if anyone tried to vote against it <laughs> personally. But yeah, um, I know how you feel about SEMA as well. Now, what about you? Una? What's your what's your SEMA thoughts? Yeah, I think this like there's an argument for this being the most accomplished record mm. on the list in terms of its wholeness and its clarity. I guess you listen to this, you know that this artist knows who they are. Um, you know that they're an amazing songwriter. But not only that, like, I don't know, it's just like lyrically, it's so brilliant. Mm. And it's so hard to write wry lyrics in that way and them not feel throwaway or gimmicky. Mm. And I think that CMAT's an artist who's really, instead of doing things in that kind of almost like topical lyrical way is really hooking on to that lineage of of what this music mm. is that that she's making you know i guess the only thing that i would say like and this is just totally picking holes and is probably irrelevant i feel like sometimes the production can be a little conventional or a little anemic mm. in terms of the scale of the songs now that's really splitting hairs but i'd love to see um a record that like this is so obviously her you know her calling card and, and so I guess I'm anticipating and I'm looking forward to seeing a creative trajectory that expands production wise yeah. that's like ask you know it's stupid to ask for something that a person is not doing on, on an album that is really excellent as well so I understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying there but yeah I wonder what that exploration sonically could look like or sound like rather yeah, it's exciting because she's so fully formed already in many ways. And, you know, like you said, you knows what she is and you know what she wants to be. She's capable of being the fun time um, entertainer, but also being uh, very quite lyrically deep, actually. And yeah. I think sometimes the the vibe of the songs, especially like, I mean, I remember the first time you talked a lot about Nashville before, Andrea, but like, you know, that song is so heartbreaking but it, and it opens the album mm. and it's one of those ones you're just like wow okay if you weren't paying attention you'd be like this is a lovely song but it's actually tragic mm. <laughs> but that's what the best kind of like country music is as well you know she's like you said she's tapping into that lineage of um you know what the vibe is of that genre as well while bringing you know pop culture references to robbie williams and um really just brilliant like songwriting and melody writing as mm. well like a brilliant songwriter already. Uh, first album, like, nailed. Um, so, yeah, it was really interesting to see or to imagine what could happen uh, coming forward. But are you, at the same time, for a debut album, it's a hugely accomplished. And yeah. uh, absolutely, you could see this winning a, a, a choice for sure. Mm. I think, you know, it is. it has characteristics that many albums in the past which won the choice do not even come close to in terms of songcraft so yeah uh, that is one thing i would say about cmat also her vocal performance and so many parts of it like especially i think on two wrecked care like the vocals on that are just like this is so good until until you sit down with a guitar and try and play and sing a cmat song like you, you really don't grasp how difficult it is for like to to hit mm. the notes that she's hitting. Not even in in those kind of big moments, but she she's just she she's 
she chooses straight like she chooses the stranger option out of the two options for a melody or for you know a chord progression but not to the point where it's it's still not pop music it's just it's very interesting yeah. on the ear it's very um interesting to to listen to and it does kind of make your ears prick up a bit and you're like oh like the two rectacare chorus is a bit of a mad chorus like it's not it's not the chorus that you would expect to to happen in the vocal line when you're listening to the when you're listening to the verses but she goes there and she does it with such conviction that you're like yeah I'm I'm on this ride with you absolutely but then she also has something like every bottle is my boyfriend which is just a straight down the middle pop rock song that is just so it's one of those songs that you kind of can't believe didn't already exist in the world it feels like it should have already been around it feels like like a standard it's so so brilliant yeah and yeah I I do actually think that her vocals isn't something that is talked about enough in praise of her um we talk a lot about her songwriting but her vocals are outstanding as well so moving on from CMAT, because we do talk about her a lot. We do. <laughs> uh, and that's because that's just... Uh, we just love her. That's because she's yeah. so good. It's Fontaine's DC and Skinty Fia, their third album, their third nomination. Where do you land on this album in terms of their and the band in general? I really like Fontaine's. Like, um, I like their albums. I think that where they're at live, like I went to that Vicar Street show whenever that was, December maybe, and I couldn't believe where they were at as a live band. Um, how good they were at what they're doing and how elevated and tight and all of those, you know, kind of cliches um, that exist about kind of live rock, like that they're, that they're really jumping forward into something else. Mm. And yet sometimes, like, there's something about their albums that, you know, there's so many great songs and they're recorded in a very specific way and they have that live sound and, you know, Dan Carey is kind of, honed that you know aesthetic that they're the the sonic aesthetic that they're taking from live there's something sometimes about their records and I don't know what it is I can never place it that like the pillars that they're that the album stands on kind of sometimes slopes a a little bit or something Mm. Mm. um I don't know what that is maybe it's just the flow of how they make them and how they obviously choose very specifically how they flow this record contains probably their best song in I Love You you know, this this is a massive, massive album globally. It it sounds great. It's darker. Mm, um, yeah. You know, they teeter on that kind of chasm, you know, of, of that kind of darkness and the and the wall of noise and all that kind of stuff. But of course, you know, even though uh, Green Chatton's voice can be very, you know, spearing and searing in a particular way. It has this weird lightness to it that, that takes it away. The drumming is great on this record as well. It's it's funny because like they've made these three big albums and they haven't won the choice. And, 
the choice has this like idiosyncratic reflex that I think often if you looked at this thing on paper, if you were, you know, a a rock journalist or a music journalist in like Sydney or, Mm. you know, California, Mm. you'd look at this and you'd go, oh, well, Fontaine's DC will, will win that. So it's, it's, it's funny how, how that doesn't seem to be the, the narrative around the vast choice discourse. Mm. What do you think, Andre? Yeah, I, I agree that if you were looking from the outside in, that they would be the obvious choice. You know, they had a recent win at the Brits. They've had, is it, is it two Grammy nominations or one Grammy nomination that they've had? At least at one, least one yeah. Grammy nomination. So from the outside looking Our in, death, um, yeah. you, you'd be saying absolutely Fontaine's DC. But there is a reluctance in Ireland, I think, um, for various different reasons to embrace them as the kind of, um, as, our, as Ireland's big, new rock export. Um, I'm definitely part of that reluctance and I don't like that about myself <laughs> that I'm like feeding into a broader narrative that could be kind of read as, you know, begrudgery or, or whatever it is. But um, me and Fontaine's DC have never really gotten along. We've never really seen eye to eye. I've never gotten what it is that I want from them in an album, which is unfair. Um, they're they're making what what I assume they think is is the best music of their career with with every uh with every album that they put out, but they never clicked with me. Um, but on this album there were parts that were that I I thought were starting to click into place for me. The drumming, as you mentioned, Una, I think is outstanding uh, on on this record. I think it has a bit more of a sense of wholeness, a a sense of not quite narrative, but that that these songs feel like they belong together. There's a few songs that I have issues with. I don't like Bloomsday. I went into like quite a long, not quite a rant about why I don't like it on on a podcast before, but. it just it it didn't hit it for me and there is an evocation of irishness that they employ that i don't feel is very representative of what i what my kind of understanding of irishness is and again that's all very personal so all my issues with them are completely personal i think from an objective point of view i'm like yeah they probably should get album of the year at at the choice they are our biggest exports right now they are critically acclaimed they have massive fans you know all over the world but they've yet to hit it for for me but this album made me feel like maybe the next one you know it's it's this feeling of i definitely think they're like ascending everything that they do Mm. you know Mm. like when if you look at like this record compared to dogma for example you know the maturity is really pronounced i'm not part of the reluctance yes (laughs) um like and I totally get it as well. Like, and and I, and I understand it. And I think a lot of it is like, yeah, like you say, personal thing. And, um, I also think that, you know, there's theses to be written about that version of, of Irishness. And this album is obviously very, you know, thematically diasporic Mm -hmm. and maybe there were some rolled eyes at, um, you know, people being treated like paddies in London or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like your experience is your experience, you know? And, I don't think they're being inauthentic about their experience. I think their experiences and how they're channeling them is is legitimate in in their 
you know, worldview. Yeah, I, I, or, I remember that being one of my one of my issues with it was that, you know, we had we had the first album, which was very much rooted in a kind of a Dublin experience and an Irish experience with the second album, which was kind of reflecting on that experience from a place of having had success. And then with the third album where they are now not living at home anymore and reflecting on that that diasporic experience and I remember feeling like I didn't get enough of that actually because what what I liked mm. about the album was the bit that we got of it for me there wasn't a a thesis around that idea there wasn't there wasn't something that, yeah. that that I felt like I could hang my hat on in terms of like oh this is how they feel reflecting on you know their experience of Irish people abroad or living abroad um so it's actually yeah it was more of that that I wanted but what was there I liked if that makes sense I think mm. you were similar Niall were you? I think as well like there was a lot of made of that stuff discourse like the diaspora mm. discourse in the marketing of the album and in the, yeah. the press yeah. around the album I mean I think this was originally a double album right it was like a this album and then an album of more traditional tunes mm. I believe you mean traditional in terms of like the couple across the way or or like yeah like I think it was a, I mean maybe I'm wrong about this but I think it was conceived as a double album with with which there would be um more tunes with tradition traditional uh, traditional Irish band and oh, then yeah. more kind of Fontaines I mean I think as well like Inorgriga Joe is a deadly album opener yeah <laughs> as well you know yeah the drummer Tom uh, did actually Tom release Cole, a, yeah yeah he released a compilation of Irish tradition music uh couple of years ago on his own label and uh, had the body band and Planksty and Eve Agamonzi's O'Neill and all that kind of stuff in there. Um, so there's definitely that influence in terms of the album overall. I struggle with it sometimes. I listen to it today and it, some of it just didn't vibe with me at all. I find some of it a bit repetitive. Uh, other times I, uh, particularly in the lead up to the end of year stuff um, in at the end of the year last year, I was really quite on board with Skitty Fia and I felt like it had I thought it was it does feel brave a lot of the time to be you know just following your nose and making kind of a dour like dirgy record even though yeah. you know you can hear the influences of Nirvana and maybe some Stone Roses in there as well but like I think they do enough because like you said they're such good players now that they can make it their own in the same way but at its worst I think it it feels like it's just um green chat and howling a little bit uh, over some very nice uh, albeit dour instrumental stuff but then you know there like I said I love you is a great song um there are really great moments on this and I think it suggests that yeah like Andrea says there is a lot to come here from this band still even though they've only like what's three albums in just over three years yeah I'd love. I'd love they took a break now for a bit. I know everyone says every like, and obviously that's what you expect because you don't want people to burn out, you know, yeah. or and from all the touring as well. But at the same time, what happens when you do push? You know, like that's also interesting. Mm. You know, I yeah. don't think that that's healthy. But like, there's you. I I I think you can actually feel the push on this record. You know, there's there's a feeling of resistance. In, as in like resistances in pushing in it that I find really interesting. And like whether if a fourth record came soon, you'd imagine it would either be like a massive, epic, you know, big mainstream Kings of Leon effort or something <laughs> or a complete breakdown. Mm. So I think yeah. that that is, is you can feel 
the the genesis of both of those sentiments in it and i kind of like that as well so i I, yeah yeah there's an energy to it that just like falls apart into burnout and then comes back up into Mm. this mad um moshing that i i i just i actually kind of find it weirdly endearing Mm. i think maybe the longer that they are i know watching um the band recently and like the longer they're away from Ireland maybe the less of a concern it will be about you know your your relationship with the country that you're from and maybe they'll be feel a bit divorced to be able to make a record that doesn't automatically have to represent something Mm. like that yeah because that is quite a burden as well and it's something that we like we all place on them but it's also it's not just them as well it comes from press around the world talking about we start bringing up Joyce and all that stuff. And you're like, okay, yeah, how much of this is the band and how much is, you know, the narrative around the band. And, yeah. Uh, be nice if they could get away from that for themselves a little bit. And also for us next time I'm looking at reviewing a Fontaine's record, it'd be nice enough to have to be thinking about talking about James Joyce all the time. Uh, but anyway. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Greatest modernist writer of all yeah, time. Yeah, we doesn't have to talk about him in the context of the Fontaine's. Yeah. But okay, our next album is from Ifanessa Francis and it's called Protector. Aoife had a debut album a few years ago called Land of No Junction, very indie psych folk. This one, this time around, uh, again, it's on Partisan Records. Uh, Fair Play to Partisan Records, they've got three albums on this list. Mm. A in a, a global, essentially independent uh, record label with their headquarters in New York. They have three Irish al- three ar- albums on the Irish album of the year list so fair play to them um i think this is the first one she's released on um partisan very much foggy psych folk music went to see her in Wheelands last year really enjoyed it uh, but at the same time i felt like a lot of it is quite similar uh, and it's kind of a vibe it's a it's a everything is a vibe kind of buzz going on here that's what i like about it but it also is maybe one of the reasons why to me, it doesn't maybe stand up against some of these other records. What do you guys think? Hmm. I I loved Ifanessa Francis's Francis's <laughs> um, debut, um, and I initially I think the first my first listen of this album it didn't give me what I wanted, um, much the same as the Fontaine's DC issue, and. I I push through that because I I actually I don't feel like there's there's that much similarity. I feel like she's definitely expanded here. She's definitely switched what her kind of sonic influences are. Um, I think she wrote this album in a much more kind of isolated space. She was staying out in, in County Clare, I think, with family and you know getting up at sunrise and going out and with her guitar and playing in in as much wilderness as, as, as we get on this island. So I did feel that sort of shift. But the more I listened to it dur- during the year, the more it clicked with me. Um, I think she's mm. a really, she's, she's the kind of songwriter that really rewards coming back 
to those songs um and especially I, I talk about this a lot like listening to music in different situations and finding the situation that the music fits for you and I did that with this album because I, I really really wanted to like it. I really wanted to love it and I did I pushed through it and I found that it was kind of in you know kind of solitary walks and moments in nature and things that that it really clicked with me but it's I think it's a beautiful album. It's not as forthcoming as some of the others on the list, you know, Seamat or, or Fontaine's. Um, I think it's a much more gentle hand in terms of kind of guiding you into into what this world is. And I think she does it very deftly. Um, and she's she's outrageously talented, you know, as a as a songwriter, as a musician, as a vocalist. Um, and there's a maturity here that I think is it's it's a step up from the first album definitely uh even though i love that first album but i can i can feel the direction i can feel the growth and the the way that she's gonna keep going maybe you know she might also surprise us again on the next album but but yeah i think i think this is a really strong one um i think i think i think this will be a dark horse um but we shouldn't discount it um i'd imagine there's a lot of even francis fans in the in the kind of decision making body this year i feel like i'm just picturing you now with your like carry from homeland chart and like <laughs> tracking all the judges tastes absolutely <laughs> where were they like sort of a cctv footage outside like i'm Vicar yeah i'm like are you listening to it in nature though give it another go <laughs> <laughs> listen to it on a train <laughs> what do you think of this album in it um i really really love it like and i think one of my favorite moments on uh, that happens on an album, on any album on this list, is on this record, and it's the kind of use of the shaker percussion on Chariot mm. that then, like, lang like it kind of languishes, and then it comes back in a different form on Back to Earth afterwards. And I think that's kind of what I'm talking about in some ways about the production on the CMAT record is like what kind of sonic storyline is the production and the, and the sounds and the instrumentation telling mm. alongside the other aspects of storytelling in all the various ways that albums can do. And I think that on this album, there's a real sophisticated approach to that. And and I t I find it so interesting what you're talking about, Andrea, about like the different situations and the repeat listening because I think that there's a lot of um, intentional and intuitive flourishes on this record that are so um, not low key, but they're so subtextual that I really enjoy. Mm. Um, so the sound of this album, I really like, and I love how even at the outset of it, it kind of begins with what almost feels like a mistake in this like thing at the start of um, what a way to say goodbye, I think is the first, yeah. which is like, okay, the, the thing is called way to say goodbye. Right. And it starts with this like mistake thing. And it's like, that's the first song. And I don't know, there's, there's a lot here that I feel like as a listener or as, you know, as a nerd, you could, you could um, study. Mm. So I think it's quite advanced in that way. Mm. Yeah, Emptiness Falls would be one of my favourite songs on mm. this album, big time. Uh, it was one of those ones that stuck with me all year. Um, but it is a great, it is a lovely album to listen to all together. It's a very complete uh, body of work. Um, I think personally, just on the live gig, I I found my my 
my mind wandering a bit more than I wanted it to. Um, but that's okay sometimes as well. It's like, it is not that it's stuck in a palette, but it, it, it has a very similar palette throughout. And yeah, there are flourishes here and there that make it create some lushness and, you know, some lovely playing on it as well. And uh, I think it's a really lovely record. It's a very warm record. Uh, it feels quite unburdened from any expectation as well. Uh, and I think it's a much better record than her first record. Again, another artist who's going to be possibly probably doing promising things for the third and whatever comes next. And it is great to see like a lot of these artists we're talking about are not, you know, small considerations in terms of touring and they have mm. fans and people that they can go and play to. Always good because, you know, um, the, the choice is not the be all and end all of any of this stuff, uh, any of these artists as well. Like uh, even looking at the the live show that happens on March 9th in Vicar Street, only five of the 10 nominated acts are actually playing on the night because a lot of them have commitments uh, already. So Anamika, even as Francis, uh, Just Mustard, Pillow Queens and Thumper are playing on the night. Um, so one of those acts is uh, also from Dundalk, is Just Mustard. And that's uh, the band um, from the dog. The five piece, they uh, have released their second album, uh, joining Fontaine CC and Ephinesa Francis on Partisan Records. And their second album is called Heart Under. It was recorded in Attica Studios in Donegal. Their first album, Wednesday, was kind of a surprise um, hit in a way, an underground hit, whatever we want to call it. But it got them a lot of attention and a lot of shoegaze textures for sure. This one this year, this time around, has more kind of abrasive and industrial tones. Very dirgy, kind of, um, yeah, very much industrial. I think uh, the vocalist Katie Ball has some really interesting uh, hypnotic um, textures going on in terms of the music that kind of soars above the rest of it. I really like this band, but I can see based off, you know, placed around these other ones. Again, I feel like there's a bit of sameness here that uh, probably doesn't work in terms of you know, picking an album that would be representative of the best of the year. What about you guys? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, disagree. <laughs> Tell me more. I actually think if I had to pick my favorite record on this list, it would be this. Oh, and really? I'm kind of weirdly surprised by that. Mm. Um, I just think, so when I first listened to it, I was like, who produced this album? And of course it's self-produced. Now, obviously Attica Studio is amazing amazing uh studio up in Donegal like really brilliant um I I just I just think it is so good I need to find my words here now because that's not exactly a good appraisal but <laughs> it just feels no, just to me no leave it there uh, no it feels to me that when there's certain records that you listen to or certain songs that you listen to and the things that spring to mind in terms of the references or the places that you go to in your mind aren't even musical references. And this album just like puts me in a place, it puts me in a state that is quite, you know, gothic, you know, almost pagan in a weird way, 
very much the sound of an island in Northern Europe. And like, there's a lot of diversity on this album, but like, it just touches into a kind of Dundalk Irish aesthetic Mm. that I think we don't actually name um, in our art, you know, and I, feel when I'm reaching for those references like I just feel like this is a band that's kind of expanding beyond its form and it's creating you know that this kind of like you know how can desolation be rich you know and I feel like just mustard do that and they're operating within this kind of space of fidelity that feels really complete um and it just brings to mind like uh you know different art like Anne Imhoff that German visual artist or you know David Wojnarowicz or something or like it made me think of Mom the Michael Keegan Dolan piece with Cormac Begley you know that that kind of like gothic Irish um dance piece that he did and I just feel that it has like the like there's always going to be a lot of shoegaze fans in the world and a lot of it can be quite tropey and I think what they're doing is not. I think they're doing something really robust that's also incredibly delicate. I think this album's a work of art. Um, you know, there's just ghosts in the walls of it and the atmosphere they create is immediate. And I just think it achieves a real coherence in that. I don't think it's samey. I think it's coherent. I think they're amazingly talented. Assessment, uh, because I, I think it'd be... It's very similar textures in terms of, uh, for me, a lot of the time. Um, I do agree with you there. They, they are very good at creating those kind of transportative um, uh, sounds that just are really like that no one else does as well. I just, for me, yeah, I just I don't find it quite as, I don't, I don't want to return to that well quite as much, but I think they're really good at it. And I'm, it's a dark well, you know? It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, in fairness, they have talked about how the, the album is informed by maybe grief and sadness and sorrow themselves. So, you know, there is that in there and you can feel that it, there's a heaviness to this record that a uh, few of the others here have. Mm. I I don't have a horse in the race with this album, really. Um, I I sort of agree with both of you. <laughs> um, I, I, I love mm. what you said about the the sound of Dundalk, though. Um, and it is interesting that the other Dundalk record on this list is Mary Wallopers, which couldn't sound much more different to this album. But yeah. um, I, I, I lived in Dundalk for a few years. So that like the places that sonically it brought me was less about the kind of pagan natural world and much more about the kind of like the no man's land of like industrial estates and, you know, ghost estates and things like that. And, and just the kind of the emptiness of that. And that's like, Nile, that isn't a nice place to return to a lot. And I can't say I have returned to this album a lot, but, you know, (laughs) listening to it today, I, I, I was like, you can't deny that you're instantly transported to a new place. You can't deny that the, the vision as it is set out, is achieved and there's some really interesting textures on it you know like shoegaze shoegaze is is it's not exactly in vogue at the minute so i think they're they're right to kind of turn it turn the knob a bit darker on it um and i think that they do it they do it without me losing interest they do it without making it so dour 
that I that I need to get the hell out of there after a few songs. Um, but having said that, it's not an album that I find myself reaching for a lot. But then again, I don't visit Dundalk a lot these days either. So, you know, there mm. might be. I think it's also like a, a taste thing and where yeah. your head is at. Like, I really love like dour, dark, industrial soundscape stuff. And like there's moments in this record that they they push, like they push things that are are sonically that feel innovative. Um, yeah, and I think that then there's parts of it that are like, there's a couple of bits that are almost war, like early war paint esque, mm, yeah. like twenty three. Um, but I love how the bass shrouds everything, and sometimes it feels a bit intimidating. Um, even you know to kind of to to listen to like that, you know the the where you're at, mm. you know, because if you're listening to this album, you can't escape where they're at, and I think that that's the sign of a really successful transmission. Of, of what they were trying to do. Yeah, I find it sometimes like the feeling sometimes when I'm listening to it is a frustration because I'm like, please just get, please just allow me to have a melody. Please just allow me to, you know, le- lean into this in a way that I would lean into kind of popular music more generally. R- reward me, <laughs> you know, for listening to this. And I, I admire the fact that they don't do that. Like they're kind of edging you for the whole fucking album and they yeah. don't really I give like you that, anything yeah. back. And there's an artistic kind of integrity to that, you know, and, and maybe if there was, you know, uh, maybe if it ended with a very beautiful melodic acoustic song, it, it would have completely ruined the entire effect. It, you it know? would have. It would have. <laughs> it, it's hard to leave. They've created a perfect, uh, their own perfect mm. world here in that way. And you just, you really don't need that. No, <laughs> yeah. this record, no. But, but, but I, but I, but I found really myself wanting, you know, a bit of like, I found myself wanting like, a chord progression that goes where I expect it to. Like, you know, it's that little reward center in my brain is looking for reward and they do not give it to you. And I admire that. I don't necessarily enjoy it on my commute into town, but I admire it as an artwork, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I totally hear you on that. Like I respect that Mm. kind of, you know, sticking to your guns thing. And, and just to say the place when you're talking about like, the wasteland aspect to it, the place that it puts me in where I imagine myself to be when I'm listening to it is, um, Ferropolis, uh, which is that like derelict old industrial place. It's like between Berlin and Leipzig. They do mm. the melt festival there and, um, oh, yeah, yeah, the whole festival. And like, I'm there like mm. under the crane that once lifted something to do with oil or <laughs> mining or whatever. <laughs> And, you know, to be perfectly honest, that's my happy place. <laughs> oh, right. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you know that. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, Just Mustard gig that's happening in Dublin on April 21st. They're doing a 360-degree audio yeah, immersive thing. sounds interesting. So, up. Uh, I'd Did not know that what, I am okay. there. <laughs> okay, 21st of April. It was only announced last Thursday and went on sale on Friday, so very quick. And uh, But yeah, it's on the Button Factory. It sounds really interesting. I presume it's some sort of, it sounds like it's in the round as well, maybe. And there's some sort of visual and audio setup, so I'm not sure how it, go, how it works, but 
presumably there's speakers around you, around you as well. So can I just say play on the form? Can I just say on that, Nyler, like when I listen to this record, like I can totally picture maybe they've done this before. I'm not, I'm sorry if they have, but like doing, you know, really amazing scores or sound installations. Like that's why I mentioned Anne Imhoff because she does mm. kind of like sound stuff. And that's what, when it really, you, you really know you're listening to an artist who's going to, or a bunch of artists who are going to expand beyond what they're doing because there's so much intention there. And, you know, there's uh, with advances in technology, like particularly around like the Dolby Atmos stuff, there's different artists, you know, doing stuff with that. And obviously one of Tricks Point Never has done loads of immersive sound stuff and Rory Fryers has been doing stuff with that as well. And so it's not surprising to me, even though I've just heard this news, that they're going down that path as well, Mm. because like, these are people who have something sonically to say, and I, I just find that very compelling. Okay, uh, our fifth album on the list is uh, Dermot Kennedy, Sonder. Um, I know you've been hurting Waiting on a train that just won't come The rain, it ain't permanent And soon we'll be dancing in the sun We'll be dancing in the sun I'm going to sing your song together. I'm going to sing your song Who wants to take this one? <laughs> I'm going to be really honest. I have listened to this album in total one time. So <laughs> I don't know how deep I'm going to uh, be able to get into this. But then again... What do you know te- what? That's okay. Because I don't think you need to listen to it much yeah. more than once in um, my estimation. I'm like... I'm actually a bit disappointed in Dermot Kennedy. But I, I guess was gonna, no surprise. I was going to... I feel like... That was something that I'd like to know because you were an early champion of Dermot Kennedy. Yeah, I like. I thought he had some really interesting. Uh, again, he was playing a lot with texture and he was playing a lot with like anthemic feeling um, chords and sounds and and also some of that like atmospheric stuff that we were talking about there. Obviously, in a different vein, but yeah, now it's just well, Dermot Kennedy is a big pop artist who writes with uh, pop songwriters and. There's a lot of cliche here. There's a lot of uh, big whooping choruses that you you know exactly what's coming. Mm. You know the line that's coming. You know the word that's coming next. It's it's very predictable. And for that, I was like, I find it I find it a real struggle to listen to this. Mm. Uh, overall, I just find it very disappointing because, like, I think he can he has capacity to be a much more interesting songwriter and singer, but he's chosen the path, and that's the path, and it's not for me anymore, and that's fine. I think it's really hard to write massive torch songs that unite millions of people, like at a festival, at a Debs, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's important. And his songs have a massive audience and he's a huge artist and they are ostensibly crafted well. And his voice is really powerful and he's really good at some aspects of what he does. What boggles me is when somebody is so talented and there's so many personnel on the record. Um, very male personnel. Like I was counting through the um personnel on the record. I think there was like 31 dudes and one woman, maybe I could have that wrong or whatever, but it feels like a record, like a major label record kind of by committee. Um, that feels quite algorithmic Mm. and, I like Dermot Kennedy doesn't need another fan in me or whatever. Like, I think he's really talented and he's, he's doing really well and it's not a genre that I listen to. So like you can't complain about something 
that is doing something that it's not doing in many mm. ways. Yeah. But I just feel when you listen to, and it's not just a Dermot Kennedy thing, it's a general thing. When you listen to certain records like this, you know where every song is going to go. And Mm. that's not an offense because there's good melody and there's good choruses, but I can kind of like hear them being ripped off in real time for Love is Blind reunion montages. (laughs) You know, it feels very, it feels very broad, (laughs) very broad. And the sincerity is very on the nose. Mm. Um, Yeah. And, and, broadness is different to universality right like and that's i think the two stools that he's falling in between and i think that you know like circa richardson will get her in a bit her record is very universal because it's rooted in this specificity and there's something about the cheapness of broadness that can be very off-putting as, you know, a general music fan. And it leads you to begin to question the intention and and the authenticity. And I I just wonder what the choices are there in in a way. Like even like the name Sonder, okay, you know, this John Koenig term about you know the empathy with other people that like you when you see someone in the street you know Mm. you have a realization that they're living just as a complex life as everyone else on earth or whatever it like is that what the record is doing you know like because is it you know to aiming that at everyone and like you know i was thinking like you know sonder you know it kind of feels now like a co-working space or something (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i actually looked it up and it is the name of an apart hotel a global apart hotel company as well as the john koenig work but it has that feel to it like you know there's almost something strangely uh airspace about this record you know you could you could it's just on it's just there and if you want to do that, fucking go for it, mate. Like, do it. Make the big songs. Get all the massive show. Like, brilliant. And, like, best of luck to you. Like, that is not an offense. I wonder what would happen were something deep and not wide mind. I think I think what, what you said about specificity and generality is exactly the issue I have with Dermot Kennedy. It's the issue I have with George Ezra as well, who I also think is a very, very talented, particularly vocalist. Um, I always just, what I, I remember I, I reviewed his album, I think last year, and I was like, oh God, the things he could do with that voice. And I feel much the same about Dermot Kennedy because, you know, his songs will be on in the shop. His songs will be on in whatever kind of public space you're in. Um, it's, he's he's just very easy kind of background listening. And I just wish that he would he would use his voice in a more dynamic way. I don't always need him to, you know, to belt out his choruses all the time. I don't always need the kind of the same rise and fall in every song that feels at this stage Mm. in his music, but in the kind of, you know, sensitive male singer, songwriter, pop star, more generally very, um, wrote. And I think you used the word algorithmic, you know, like it does, it does feel like this is okay. We just punch in 
you know, what the rise and fall should look like. Here's the bit that we can clip clip out for TikTok. Here's the bit that's going to make everybody emotional when it's the when it's a live gig. And it does feel very considered um, in a boardroom way, as opposed to in a, you know, guy sitting down with his guitar, working out his feelings kind of way. And yeah, the so- yeah, Sonder has nothing to do with right it as well. That, yeah. It's like, I have no idea why that's the name of the album. Yeah, I think that like that conventional flow that you're identifying yeah. can get quite grating and actually it succeeds in in singles, but maybe not in a in a thing that's doing that all the time. Like, it feels tiring to listen to this as an yeah, album sometimes. How, you're like root one songwriting where you're like, Well, we're going from here to here and that's and then we're gonna repeat it and then you're like, Okay, there's nothing here that to there's nothing here to uh, inspire the years too much, you yeah. know, in terms of if you like his voice, that's great. But if you don't or if you for anyone who like likes being challenged yeah. there's not much of a challenge here there's not much yeah, use of, of different melody notes that you're like oh like see my we're like oh i didn't think he was going to use that you know that note yeah. but there's not there's very little that here yeah i don't even think it's about being challenged though now because like well it's I, not music to be made to be challenged either. yeah but like, like i love so we shouldn't even be saying that really. like i i love like torch songs i love power ballads i love big fist of pure emotion type stuff. Like, even if it's, I don't care if it's corny or cheesy or whatever. I just feel like that's not what's necessarily being achieved here. And I'm think that maybe like, I just, I'm like, what are, what are the motives? I suppose like, that's what I end up thinking of like, and if the motive is to make a broad, uh, massively successful, record that is that appeals to loads of people then that has been achieved Mm. and like to 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 kind of knock edges off that is is faintly ridiculous because that's not what it's trying to do i just wonder about the the motives and the authenticity behind it um it, it 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 just feels like the type of emotion that it's proclaiming to exist within the vocal cadences, within those like punchy crescendos and within the earnestness of it is, is not actually there yeah. in a way, in, in, in the intention or something. Yeah, I, so I, I, yeah, I think it's, that it's, the, the motive is that these songs are a vehicle for his voice and the best way to show off what your voice can do is, is if you're, a male singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar is to build to these big crescendos and to do it in a way where you can almost, I don't want to say trick, but you can convince people into thinking that you are singing from the heart when really you're just a very talented singer. Um, because there's nothing really in the, in the lyrics of his songs that have ever, that have ever spoken to me. I've never really believed that he means what he's singing on 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 this on this album definitely and I think it is just an instrument for his or a, a vehicle for his voice and again there's nothing wrong with that but it's the Yeah because you believe the voice I believe the voice absolutely. like you know that if you're I'm like this is a really you know that if person you, Yeah you know that if you were like sitting in a room with him and a piano yeah. or him and a guitar and he sings it's like and he and he emotes as yeah. well it you know in a live setting or whatever it's like it's spine tingling yeah. how how yeah. talented he is but but on and an that's album it. like some of the production on the earlier stuff was kind of like had that uh, captured that better i felt and and the production on this 
there's a there's a gauze of of it's like there's cling film around this that makes it less interesting and obvious and and unable to pierce you in the same way because it's just it's couched in the same way and it's never going to feel anything beyond mm. that i also wish him all the success keep buying those online ceramics <laughs> uh tracksuit pants and t-shirts i'm also a yeah fan. that's the thing it's oh, like i don't i'm not like i don't dislike him either you know like if he's if he's yeah. on the radio i'm yeah. like oh this fucking thing again but it's that's less to do with him than just the kind of the current palette of what is being played on the radio that everything just kind of sounds like those songs um i also really like mm. lewis capaldi as a person but i've never listened to i've never like chosen to listen to his records you know but it's like yeah, yeah i i i think both I, really talented people yeah, yeah. yeah. and but I, I think i get maybe unduly um angry with Dermot Kennedy in terms of his contribution to this landscape um, when really I, I, you know, it's not all him and he's definitely not the one to blame Ed Sheeran um, for all of this. But, you know, sorry, Dermot, I do wish you all the best. <laughs> all right, we leave it there. That is um, Dermot Kennedy and Sonder. Our next um, band is Back to Dundalk. It is the Merry Walpers and their self-titled album, his face we've never seen Since his shovel it cut clean Through the middle of a big high-tension wire And my soil balls my call From the big flyover fall Into a concrete mixer spinning around Though it was not his intent He got a fine head of cement when he was building up and tearing um, This was one of my favorites of last year. I mean, pretty much like they're drinking songs. There's a lot of giving out about the Brits. Um, old trad songs, uh, fun. They're having fun with this. It's um, Pint of Porter and uh, uh, a banjo in hand. And I think they're great. Like, I mean, they started as as a hip hop. You sound duo. like a Guardian reviewer right now, Nyla, <laughs> reviewing an Irish record. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, I guess I'm so close to this now. I think they're just they're they're great. Like, I mean, they used to be a, a, a hip hop duo called TPM, and they still sometimes yes. are. Um, and then they brought in Sean McKenna, and they, now they're seven piece live. I think this is a fun record. I think it's. It kind of goes back to a, you know, there's obviously been a trad um, renaissance or revival or whatever you want to call it. There's been some really interesting things done with trad music in Ireland, um, particularly like there's going to be another record by Lancome this year that I know is going to be pretty incredible. Um, this is a bit more traditional in the in the in the name and and everything else, but uh, it's a lot of fun. There's these are fun cheeky rogues playing trad songs and giving out about the Brits and uh, and the guards and uh, at its best I absolutely love putting this on I just think it's a great fun drinking record or something you know what I mean I know you said like or I said that I think I said that Just Muster was my favourite record on the thing I think you did yes I, I think this is the best record <laughs> huge I think it's I, I, <laughs> I, I like obviously I love the CMAT record like there's no doubt about that like that record is undeniable there's something about the spirit of this album that makes it feel 
not like oh, who deserves the choice or whatever, but it's just like, it's just so good. Like the energy of it is so amazing. And, and what freaks me out about what's going to happen on the, on the night or the evening is that even though it is that good, it could be an album that is knocked out in the first conversation. Mm, yeah. And that kind of terrifies me because there are really familiar songs on this album and there's familiar structures and, you know, legacy and vibes and all that kind of stuff. And in a strange way, within that familiarity, it feels like the most unique album. And and I like, you know, it's that Irish word like breather, you know, it just has that energetic juice in it that is so uplifting, funny. Uh, there's a skill set involved that I think people overlook with the Merry Wallopers mm. as well. I think it's a knockout album and what I also love about it is a few months ago I had it on in my gaff and my parents called around and my dad sat down on the couch and he was like tapping his feet he's like who are these you know and there's something about the accessibility of um drawing from from past you know styles or or genre or whatever and bringing it forward that feels really beautiful you know, and I just have so much time for these guys. I And I think the way they're making music and the spirit they're making music in and, and what they're recording and what the end result is, is really exceptional. I, I just think it's a fantastic album. I love, there's a an amazing song on this called Building Up and Tearing England Down. Obviously, mm. the Dubliners did it first, but I love what they do with it. They slow it down. They, they imbue it with something of the heaviness of what the topic is about, where to me it's an, it's a better version than what the Dubliners did because that's kind of feels like the, the past, the hokey kind of trad bit. And then this one is like, oh, I feel the, I feel the weight of Irish immigration in this and, and the, the tragedy of it all, but it's all so beautiful and so brilliant. They're, they do that so well. And then they also have Cod Liver Oil and the Orange Juice, a funny Fucking song. Fucking so good. <laughs> like, obviously it's not their song, but they do a great job with it because they're characters. They're they're almost comedians as well on stage and they're almost, and it comes across in the record. It comes across in, in, in how they sing and how they interact with each other and how they play with each other. And I think that comes across more. They, the chaotic, chaotic element of who they are as people and all the live streams that they did during the pandemic where they were like, yeah, we're doing uh, live streams of for two hours of playing tunes. And there's a love of those music, that music here that I, I love. And uh, that tale of a lock in the Knights, the guards rated onies is just like, it's a little, little play in a song. I love it so much. Um, and every time I go back to this album, I'm like, yeah, mm. these lads are so much fun. Well, I see them in the national stadium as well. And, I felt like I was just instantly transported just because of it helps with the venue is kind of a bit shaggy yeah. as well. And you kind of go back and he was like, I feel like I'm in the seventies watching this band on stage <laughs> and everyone should be, the only thing that's missing is a big plume of smoke above my head, you know? Yeah. But even like to say that, you know, to do a song Dubliners did better, you know, as well is, is like, it goes to show the level that these guys are at. Like they are, they are on a level in terms of how they're playing and, and, what they're communicating and i think that sometimes because we're so familiar you know of certain people in ireland are so familiar with what they're drawing from that we sometimes have little bits of blind spots as to how good Mm. a band 
is when they're doing it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. as as part of the kind of trad revival, I find them a very interesting um band or this a very interesting album to be nominated, you know, three years after or two years after after Lancome's win. Yeah. Because I think Lancome kind of treat um traditional Irish Irish music with a lot of a lot of seriousness. And I think what the Mary Wallopers are doing with traditional Irish music is a lot more it's a lot more closely aligned with what Seema is doing with country music. It's taking the kind of the 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 elements and the spirit of it that works for them and then just imbuing it with just fun and life and liveliness and joy and not allowing, you know, uh, reflecting on the past and what that means for Irish people to kind of, you know, lead them down a road of feeling dour or feeling um, too serious about how to treat this music. Because, you know, Irish musicians, traditional Irish musicians, you know, they do it because it's fun. It's they're not doing it to promote cultural heritage or any any other reason. They're doing it because it's fun and playing with other people is fun and creating tunes is fun. And I, I really get that sense from them of, you know, the feeling you get when you're at when you're at a really good trad session with really great players and you just have this feeling of like, oh, this this will last forever. Like this night is never going to end. <laughs> we're all going to live in the pub forever and we're going to start a commune. And you you sort of get that vibe from them. Dream. where You're just like, yeah, it, you, you're just like, well, this this is obviously where I want to live. Like this is this is the Ireland <laughs> I want to live in. None of us are taking ourselves too seriously and we're all having a great time. And I think that there's there's a lot of room for that in this list. Um, and my my fear for the Mary for the Mary Wallopers, um, is that they won't be taken as seriously as some other um bands, right? You know? And yeah, I think you're right mm. about that, and that's my fear yeah. as well because like irreverence is an art form, yeah. and like the spirit of irreverence and you know utopian shaking off of all oppression yes. is a response to you know, the history on this island. Like there's a reason that trad sounds the way it mm-hmm. does, because what do you do in the in the face of oppression? You make something incredibly vibrant, you know? So it's 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 not throwaway, you mm-hmm. know, that holds an, an incredible amount of meaning in the same way that, you know, house music holds meaning for queer oppression or, you know, like loads of, of different um ways that that holds an awful lot of meaning Mm. you know and uh they're operating in that stream that is just bubbling and i just i love it It, it's a shot in the arm and yeah i I agree with you andrea that it'd be worried that people would just think oh because there is still stupid you know lenses and discrimination around stuff even like accent or Mm. the way that stuff is playing oh this is just a bit of a laugh it's like no these are really authentic amazing players who are doing a fantastic thing and continuing and contributing to a legacy that is so valuable and really expert actually yeah if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 100%. Great. Okay, that's Mary Wallopers. Um, up next, uh, Wicklow singer-songwriter Anna Mika on her second album, Theatre. Fuchsia burns a summer road Asphalt melts as we watch Absence, can you feel it on your skin? Porcelain alive, I still leave me to my own. Um, very much an alt folk record. I hear a lot of Nick Drake in this, I hear a lot of that kind of vibe. It's very, it kind of reminds me a lot of like the English strand of folk music of the past as well uh, recorded in Dundalk uh, as well <laughs> not a Dundalk record but recorded Jeez in Dundalk Jesus Christ, Christ lads. <laughs> there was nothing going on when yeah, I was there let me tell you yeah well there you go there you go uh, loads of people are involved in this uh, Rosie Rosie Plain actually Rosie Plain uh, from This Is A Kid plays on this Matthew Jacobson uh, Ryan Hargadon uh Brian McGlynn from Ye Vagabonds, Alana Thornburg, Cor Venus Lunny, and Nick Rayner. There's loads of people involved in this. This is I put this very similar vein to me, but slightly more folky in terms of uh uh the Evanessa Francis record. This is a lovely listen. It's a very particular strand, like I said, of of um the the melodies and, and the form of it all it feels very pastoral, very English mm. folk to me. And that, like that's what I get from this. What about you guys? I think pastoral is a is a great word for this record. There's something of the natural world of it. There's something um I don't like using this word about female musicians, but ethereal in the sound of it. Um she's not ethereal, she's a human woman. Um <laughs> in the in the sound I literally of it. wrote that word down and was like, no, I, know, I, can't. I, know. <laughs> I get you, I get you. <laughs> But there is that it's 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 dreamy and the yeah I think the like there's certain times where where there's this finger picking that's happening where I'm thinking about Joni Mitchell and and how she kind of mm. tunes her guitar to you know the sound of whatever day it is there's stuff like that going on on this record that I find really 
appealing and very, very easy to sink into. And it's not a record where the lyrics were very um, foregrounded for me in the first few listens. I found I got the most out of it when I read the lyrics along with the album. Um, they're very poetic and some really lovely images and love, lovely things to just kind of ha- have in your head and just think about. Um, it's not it's not the most kind of forthcoming um, here are my feelings um, songs, but much more about kind of, you know, stepping into the role of the observer, I think, um, which I really enjoy. Uh, and I enjoy it in this style of music a lot. Yeah. What about you in it? Yeah, I I think you're bang on there. Like it is a beautiful record. I not so much Nile uh, Nile English folk that I was thinking of. I was thinking of like a lot of kind of early two thousands like Portland folk mm. vibes. Like um, it 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 made me think of Carbon Glacier by Laura Veers, which is one of my favorite albums, probably. Mm. Because it has that, like you're saying, Andrea, that like observer type thing mm. and very poetic. Um, super intrigued by your your read along uh, approach. I'm totally going to do that with this again because I think you're right. Yeah. Like it, it adds another layer to that, and it does have this lightness that ends up being quite deep as well. That's really hard to achieve. The guitar playing on it is exquisite. It's I think. beautiful, and um, the harp in the final track. Red Sun is absolutely gorgeous. I, yeah, I really enjoy this. I have to put my hands up and say that I hadn't listened to this record until the nominations came mm. out. Um, mm. I just, I hadn't come across it. It got, it so got really good I've notices around the then. place, but it wasn't something that I saw talked about a lot. Like it got, you know, four star mm. reviews. Um, I think got four star review in the Guardian. I think it got, a good review in the Irish Times. Like it was definitely reviewed well. It came out very late. But actually. Yeah, there wasn't a lot November. of like right. buzz around oh, it. A late record. Yeah. yeah, I really yeah. I really like it. I think it's really beautiful. Mm. You know, and I I I mean, again, because I hadn't I didn't know about it uh until until the nominations. So I was like, oh that's interesting that something ends up on this that you, you kind of haven't come across, which is gorgeous mm. as well, because then you're just discovering this record and this artist. Um, so yeah, I'll like, throw out really, a really beautiful a devil's advocate question. Um, mm. with so many kind of personalities on this list. Do you think an album like this will cut through in that, you know, CMAT kind of, you know, we, we could, we could make arguments for CMAT. We can make arguments for the Mary Wallopers. We can make arguments for Fontaine's DC with an album like this. And maybe a little bit with Vanessa Francis as well, where the artistry is a lot more, uh, it's, it's a bit less in your face, I suppose. It's a lot more subdued. Um, would there be yeah. a risk of it flying a bit under the radar, maybe? I think you're right about mm. that. And I actually mm. think that's a really interesting question as well about artist and band identity mm. and what people are saying related to their own experience or themselves or their own uh you know almost social realism or whatever mm. in in their records like that's a really really interesting question actually about music more broadly in gen in general mm. we've hammered for derma kennedy 
not poor, maybe, uh, for um, uh, the broadness. But there's something about um, the poetic distance of something that's not, you know, obviously it is about Amherst coming from within, right? Like, I mean, these are artists, you know, writing their stuff. But yeah, that's a really interesting question. Like, personalities is such an interesting word to use Mm. in um, the description of various records. Yeah, yeah. Because there's think much, it, I think there's much greater like um, feel of personalities on lists like this compared to maybe in previous years, mm-hmm. um, but that also speaks to somebody's ability to communicate on a with their music and lyrics as well as you know the wider scale of performance and everything else. And you know, I guess you you learn your craft from your influences a lot of the time. And so I hear in Anamika a lineage of, of different folk singer songwriters, mm. um, which is as equally as um, interesting and as valid as any other on this list. It's just somebody like Seamat is obviously way more in your face yeah. and less nuanced than, than Anamika. But yeah, I'd say it probably means that some people might, might not go as deep into this record as some of the others yeah it's for it's, sure. it's kind and, of like we, i mean you try not to but that could be just simply biased but as we well. are we are kind of in a place i think in irish popular music where your per, where personality is is a big part of it where how you even behave on social media is a big part of it i mean look look at the mary wallopers um and the success that they found through just engaging with fans on social media of, of over lockdown i think we are maybe in in a place where the cult of personality is is an important aspect when people are considering who who they're going to be devoting their time to, who they're going to hang their hat on when it comes to Irish artists. And then there's this other kind of area, which is a lot more kind of may, maybe treat, treated more seriously in some ways, um, treated less as pop music, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because I, I just see a split on this record of the kind of... Um, um, omniscient on, uh, narrators on one hand and on the other hand you've got the hyper specificity of of an artist like CMAT um, or you you have the kind of the state of the nation uh, addresses of of Fontaine's and I'm I'm curious to see at this point in kind of Irish music what is it that is appealing to people what 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 aspect of of music right now and the personalities within music right now is appealing to people and I'm not saying the winner of this list will like will confirm or deny you know a a broader kind of uh, appetite for one thing over the other but I think it's a really diverse list in terms of the kinds of songwriters we have on it Uh, there's a notable absence of of hip-hop obviously but which is which is like quite a notable absence of hip hop, actually. But um, big time. But in in, in terms of kind of point I mean, of view other than and Salo, there wasn't you know. a big year for Irish hip hop last year. Albums wise, yeah, yeah, but I, I just feel that the Salo type, anyway, whatever that it's not on the thing. But like, you're, I think you're really like what you're saying, Andrea is like not just about Irish artists. I think it's about the culture. Mm. You know, the the broader musical culture in terms of narratives around identity and narratives around what somebody is saying mm. have become so central because of 
the broader culture, yeah. you know, be that online or brand itself or whatever. So yeah, it's 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 a really interesting it's a really interesting question. And yeah. But the flip yeah. side to that is that somebody like Anamika, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what her social media presence mm-hmm. is. And uh it doesn't matter to me and it doesn't matter to this music either. Yes, yes. Um, so that's I think if anything somebody well. with this kind of music who had a very huge personality on social media would feel a bit jarring. You know, there is there's there is still a uh, like a way of maintaining an image without actually putting it out there. And I think, you know, not, not being as much on social media and it's, is kind of part of that for some genres of artists, you know, as, uh, as well. So mm. it's like, you, you can't get away from how people are going to, you know, create your personality from your records or from the way that you behave online. So, yeah, I'm just so curious to see like, would, will this album cut through the big, the big personalities, you know, and I've no idea because I won't be in the room, and I'm all. I always feel like I should just be allowed to sit in. You'll have your CCTV. Set I will. I will. Please <laughs> I establish just think they Let me in. I I will be quiet. <laughs> I'll just sit in the corner. I second that motion. <laughs> quiet is the best. Okay. <laughs> Right. Our next album is Pillow Queen's Leave the Light On. The last time we had a chat about this, uh, about the choice uh, between the three of us and others, uh, we decided that the Pillow Queen's first album would be the uh, eventual winner, perhaps. Uh, it didn't happen that way. Uh, I think, what it was, was that um, Denise Child, I think it was? Yeah. Chyla, that was that yeah. year. Yeah. Last year was For Those I Love. Here we are now, second album from Pillow Queen's, released on the Canadian label, Royal Mountain. Where do you find this sits for you guys? Um, for me, I don't quite love this as much as the first album. And I still don't know why. I, like, I think I just prefer the songs on the first album. I don't know what it is. I still haven't been able to put my finger on exactly what it is that I don't vibe with as much with this mm. one. Yeah, I think pe- some people felt that this record was like maybe a little diffuse or ambiguous, that it didn't like plant a flag in the ground. Um, or make some kind of declaration. And lyrically, I think its ambiguity is actually its strength because I kind of love the unmoredness of this. Like, I love the openness of, um, you know, processing on the page almost. Um, I think that's re- actually a really valuable approach or outcome. Um, when we think of these kind of like very certain broad statements, mm. clear things uh, that are very honed that go through loads of album or lo- loads of albums on this list, like CMAT, you know, CMAT is a conclusive songwriter, you know, <laughs> like she is saying what she is saying. Mm. Fontaines are, you know, declaratory, like you and, use and the term I state like of the nation. That. Yeah, absolutely. I like not being 
in the crest of the wave or the crashing on the shore, but in the bit in between. And I think that is what this record does. And I think that's an art form in and of itself. I think Be By Your Side is probably one of their best songs. And there's a color to this that I enjoy. Um, I think it's understated. And I think that that is, you know, it's very obviously queer approach when you're, when you've had this, you know, their first album was a big record, Mm. you know, and, and then you do something that is, it pulls away from that a little while also actually having great songs on it. Um, I think it's, it's weirdly disruptive in, in what's expected of people. And, and I just really enjoy, I really enjoy that. And I, and I think this is a, a really, really great album. And I think that they're just a great band. I mean, I just want to listen to every Pillow Queens album that like, I want to listen to their 10th album. You know, I want to listen to their fourth album. They're in it, you know, and, and they're kind of a band that I think, uh, whatever they do in many ways is enjoyable, even if it isn't, um, the full meze platter straight away. Like some of, you know, they threw rats off their first record. Yeah. You know, like these are people who are not, um, wanting to go down the the path that's expected and I like that. Yeah, I I really liked this album. Um I'm glad they didn't make the same album twice. I'm always interested in the idea of the now it's a much smaller scale with with Pillow Queens than like, you know, a huge global band, a huge like global success band, but I'm really interested in the idea of, you know, the difficult or the tricky second album, like how are they going to follow up a hit? And I I admire the fact that they didn't come in with uh with you know, too many anthems or too many um, kind of declaratory statements. I think this album is a lot more, um, for me, this album's a lot more about the playing than what's actually being said. Mm. I find a lot of the playing on this album um, really fun and joyful, um, really playful. Um, I, I feel like they had fun writing and recording this record. And to me, because I like Pillow Queen so much. That's kind of nearly enough for me. I'm like, I just want you guys to have a good time. <laughs> um, but but more but more than that, I do. I like. I do. I do think there are there are really really great songs on this album. Um, I love Well Kept Wife. I love Be by Your Side. I love 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 No Good Woman. Um, I love the Wedding Band. Like, I think there are there are more than enough good songs on this album that if this was their debut, it still would have been a smash. Um. It's just because it's that little bit, I suppose, toned down, maybe, or it it it, it feels a bit like a a step uh, a step in it in a more subdued direction or a more maybe a more serious direction. And like you, Una, like I cannot wait to hear like their fourth or fifth album because you know I feel like the first two came out very very quickly you know like the first one came out and and we were waiting for that first album for so long and when it did happen and we all loved it it was like hey great and then the second one came we were like most of us were like hey they did it again and now I'm like okay come on like what's what's next guys because uh because I just really feel like they are some of the most talented people on this island and they write such great songs and 
they're just so good at being in a band together. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, definitely rooting for them. Yeah, for I sure. am. Yeah, and not, and not just because they're good people, but just because I think like their their sound is something that I just don't get anywhere else in in Irish music. Um, like they're, they, they fill a gap that I sort of didn't really know was there. They fill a gap that I was getting from American bands and from UK bands for years. And here they come along with this sound and they're Irish and they're singing and talking about Ireland and about being queer. And I'm like, oh, this is everything I've been listening to and more. Um, and I, I, I love them for that. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're great. I don't think that they will win um against some of the other albums on this record not because I don't think it's as good an album but because I think Pillow Queens are less in the conversation now as compared to some of the other artists and personalities um going back to that idea um yeah I feel like there's there's more obvious winners um in terms of in terms of the personality conversation but as as an album like it it deserves to win as much as anything else except CMAT which is the winner well hopefully <laughs> the uh, personality won't be driving the uh, decision because there should be no so, no sorry no when 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 i say personality i'm talking about the personality that exists on the on the album as okay, well right. as the yeah. as the kind cool. of conversation well, the good news is this self-described good band from Ireland is on the west coast of Ireland, sea swimming, writing new songs and interfering with crabs. So maybe we'll have some new music from them I soon. saw a TikTok of them um, sea swimming the other day. Absolute bunch of cowards. Get in the water, girls. Like, <laughs> very funny. Rachel gets in the water. She, she does. does. She does. Yeah, right she in. does. Sarah, Sarah needs to grow up. I'm telling you now, Corcoran. <laughs> <laughs> Our second last album up for discussion is Sorka Richardson Smiling Like an Idiot. Sorka's second album on Faction Records. Um, I love this album. I think she's a lovely, uh, she's a songwriter capable of spinning these songs and into, we talk about, you know, specificity or lack of it. This is very much about particular experiences and nights out and visiting old places you've been to before, hanging out with friends. Um, and I think she's really good at translating that to uh, a listener. And musically, you know, this is kind of a guitar-y, Sinti indie pop music, a very capable, very good songwriter, Sorkerson. And what's great about all these, I think, is that like 
oh Irish music is great hold on that's one thing but uh, <laughs> it is great that you can feel like they're all of these people are at the start mm. of something mm. and they are the start of something that you say you oh in 10 years you could drop in and be like oh yeah they're fifth record you yeah. know what I mean like it feels like there's a career here and that's that's exciting to me and I think Sorka who's been really at it a long time as well um, has really settled into the groove of releasing albums and I'm excited for her to and it is great to see people respond to that as well and I think Smile Like an Idiot is a really, really lovely album. It's quite an understated album in lots of ways. Um, but yeah, one I went back to an awful lot, um, especially last mm. year. Mm. Yeah, I think like Circa Richardson is low-key one of the great Irish songwriters. I think that, I mean, I've listened to this record a lot and the thing that you're left with is there's a weird openness and effortlessness to what she's doing that's obviously rooted in the very difficult task of vulnerability in these songs and to be able to transmit a feeling, craft amazing songs, write beautiful lyrics and create, you know, a kind of thematic thing around it. Um, I, I, I think this is an amazing album. Like, I really, really love it. I loved her first record. I really did. I think this is gorgeous, you know? And I think, I don't know, like songs like Shark Eyes, like that's just like an especially good song. And I think, you know, not to compare people, but, you know, the juxtaposition between someone like Circa Richardson and someone like Dermot Kennedy who I think are reaching for the same emotional levers and how she pulls them, you know, like, you know, heartstrings and how he pulls them maybe more like, I don't know, a slot machine or something. <laughs> like it's, it's, there's a big difference there in, in the motive. Um, you know, hard to fake. I mean, it's such a good, you know, and, and there you go. Mm. Like, the, you know, the name, you know, the, the sentiment is in the title. And in this record, like she, you know, it just feels like you're listening to, you're going on a journey with an artist who's on the precipice of something, who's detailing all these scenes. Um, there's amazing writing in this, writing just generally, not even songwriting, you know, um, screenwriting, you know, it, it feels cinematic, uh, even in, in though it doesn't have a bombastic sense to it. Um, She's an amazing, amazing songwriter, you know, kind of in the tradition of, you know, the the really interesting and great American songwriters, you know, the, the I mean, you know, nobody's, you can't automatically lean towards Springsteen or Johnny Mitchell or something, but like, there's a Solange-ness <laughs> in a weird way to this record in, in some of, um, some of the scene detailing um, and Cassandra Jenkins and and people like that. It's beautiful. It's very vulnerable and complete and expert. You know, this is a a person who really knows what they're doing and and does it in a in a gorgeous way, I think. Yeah, I think she has such an ear for great songwriting. You can tell by listening to this album that she's got great taste in music. And that's not to say that she's aping anyone or that she's um 
trying to imitate anybody, but you can just tell that she's really put the work in around what makes a good. And I, I, I think pop song, because I think a, a lot more of the songs on this album are pop songs. Like if you look at spotlight yeah. television, I think that should be played on every radio station across any country i think it it absolutely transcends um the kind of specificity that you get in the lyrics on this album and she's so good at that you know we, we like una you talked there earlier about like the universality of specificity and i think that she does it so so brilliantly you know she'll describe you know miss, missing the last bus or something and 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 you're just like yeah i'm there like i'm i'm on the street with you like you're not telling me it's raining but i know it's raining there's so much that isn't said uh, in in that kind of you know painting a scene way and i you know i've seen her i've seen her play songs from this album i think twice and that effortlessness kind of it comes across on stage as well like she's just she just has this sort of innate like well here's my song and then <laughs> and then she does her song and it's just one of the best songs you've ever heard and you're like wow you know like she's I I think this is a really 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 fantastic album and I know a lot of people a lot of my friends who aren't you know following Irish music like this this album punched through to a lot of people and it 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 got a lot of ears on it that an album like this mightn't have you know a few years ago um and I'm I'm really really happy that it was you know a, that it was a successful album. I I think it would it would be a fitting winner. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah, agree. I, think, I, I just think she's great, and I I loved her first album as well. Um, but I feel like she's she's grown. Um, and you can hear that in the lyrics. Like you can hear that she's reflecting on a new time in her life now, and that kind of I'm an absolute sucker for like women talking about coming of age in like their late twenties, early thirties kind of thing, or like mid to, you know, far later than like the, the usual narratives you get around the idea of coming of age. I, I love a coming of age album um, in, in, a, in a kind of like a delayed way. Um, and I think she deals with that really well on this record. And she writes about Ireland really interestingly as well. Like she mm. doesn't, she doesn't hammer home the point or anything, but there's references to the keys. There's, there's, she, she uses it as a backdrop or a space to explore growth uh, or like the stagnation of growth or what it is that's holding her down and what it is that's lifting her up. And that those are the things we talk about when we talk about Dublin, when we talk about Ireland, what it is to live here right now. And I feel like it's for that reason, like a really current album for for Irish people to listen to. But it also has that kind of sense of timelessness as well. Like she just just ticks like all the boxes for me. I think it's a stunner. Yeah, it's kind of like a big juxtaposition to dog yeah, yeah. In a mm -hmm. weird way, like there's no need to point to the signs or the signposts of what a city mm -hmm. is. There's something else happening here that has a kind of emotional integrity that isn't linked to the shorthand yeah. of a place. Yeah. Mm. And the emotional interior that she's kind of then projecting uh, back onto where she is is incredibly skillful you know I I do feel this is trite to say but I kind of feel like as Sally Rooney is to contemporary Irish literature Circa Richardson is to contemporary Irish yeah. songwriting like I, I and you know 
I don't like making references to other women artists in, in that way, but I'm saying that in a genderless way, mm. in that the the connection and the you know the kind of letdown on we, but the beautiful realism mm. of it comes through in a way that's not just you know reaching for the nearest Irish artist. I think mm. she's very much in that. She's in the canon of our time in her songwriting. Mm. And I don't think she gets enough credit for for the artistry that she's kind of transmitting in that way. I think it's very um, unshowy and unegotistical. And I, I really, yeah, I'd look like you, there are plays in this in this mm. record. You know, there are these micro scenes around Dublin um, that are really, you know, just. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just really good. I mean, this is somebody who can, who's going to, you know, really stay the course. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there's mm. a, there's a yeah. Dublin in this album that is very, very recognizable to me. Um, and I, and, and I don't think that's just because we're both women. Um, I think that it's something that absolutely transcends that. And I feel like her way of painting scenes is, like you said about Sally Rooney, like I think Sally Rooney said before that she probably won't ever write a book that doesn't have Irish characters or isn't set in Ireland because she doesn't know how to do that because Ireland formed her. And I feel like there's a sense of that in, in Sorka Richardson. It's not, here's my album about Ireland, but it's, it's a part of her identity. You know, she wrote her first album, I think while she was, while she was away, was she living in Berlin, Nile, or where was she? She was... Uh, oh, New, New York, York, New York, it? New yeah. York yeah. But 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 Ireland was still very very present there, you know, and and the kind of the forming of this person and this character on uh, on the record is is an important part of it. But you know, not like you don't if if you weren't from here, you'd miss it. Um, but you you still would get just as much out of the album. Like it's not it's not hammering home the point Correct. in that way. Um, it's yeah. it's it's inviting everybody in, no matter what your experience is, and not just sort of you know telling you what the Irish experience is or the Irish woman experience or whatever that might be. Right, our final album on the list on the Choice Music Prize Irish Album of the Year list is Thumper's Delusions of Grandeur. Um, been around since 2018 they're a six piece they've got two drummers uh three guitarists they're a big rock band who do noise rock and a uh, bit of bubblegum stuff some psychedelic stuff some psych rock Um this is a a long-awaited album in terms of they've been releasing for a while but they finally got around to releasing this album last year i think it was received quite well and it's 
but maybe slightly surprising that it, for me that it featured on this list. Mm. So that obviously means that there is there are judges uh, who think highly of this um, record. Um, I think it's a really solid album for what it is. I think it probably doesn't stand up to a lot of the other stuff we've talked about. Um, but no great shame really either. Uh, I think it's uh, it's hard to to expound any to any great level on this one for me i i think it does what it does really well um and there are songs about existential topics about self-image and the search for authenticity i don't really get at that as deep as i would like to maybe but um look i think this dumper are a great live band for sure and uh the album definitely uh is parallel to that kind of reputation. What do you guys think of Thumper's Delusions of Grandeur? I um I reviewed this and I had to go back and read my own review because I I didn't really remember it that much. So I read my own review and uh, listened to it today. Did and you agree with yourself? I, I did. Yeah, yeah. I think I made some very good points. <laughs> no, I think my my issue at the time with this album and it, it sort of remains now is that this it's, you know, it's, it's an album made up of ideas of years and years and years and years of work. I like that in debuts or early albums sometimes, but I think on this album, there was a timekeeping issue. There were songs that were very, very long that I didn't feel like they warranted that length of time to kind of tease out that idea. Um, but having said that, there's there, there's other points in the record when they are when they kind of you know bring in a bit of brevity, um, where there's some really good ideas. Um, and so for me, this is like, I I've I felt like this was like promising for things to come, but as an album in itself, it just felt a bit messy. It just felt a bit like like there were arguments about what to keep in and what what to take out so they just decide to keep everything in um just a little bit messy but great playing on it great ideas like a great sense of identity i think on it as well um a sense of purpose there was one or two songs that i really liked the lyrics on i think maybe the rest of the songs i could kind of take them or leave them but i don't imagine th- these they don't strike me as like a band that a lot of people are like pouring over the lyrics um if the, if you're going to see them live or something um but i do remember that i wanted to catch them live because it does it sounds like an album that would transfer onto the stage really well um but yeah those are my thoughts yeah what's gasped about that is that i was listening to this record um i've listened to it a bunch of times so i was listening to it again today and i was like fuck the like a lot of these songs are really mm. long and so yeah. then i just was googling uh reviews and of course your review <laughs> yeah. came up and i was like there she is again just saying the thing that is the thing <laughs> you know <laughs> and like you, you know that thing the timekeeping element of it which was so yes i mean that is an issue with this mm. record like songs not necessarily i'd say they're welcome maybe but uh yeah, I mean, you you've said you you've said it exactly that that there's certain ideas that are in it, like and put every idea mm. in, in it, and maybe the length of them or the not even the length, but like the articulation of the idea does not necessarily merit the yeah, the longer really expanse yeah. of it. But like, I also really like mm. this album, you know, and again. 
Gilliband isn't on the list and we see them in Just Mustard and we see them in Fontaine's. Their Sonic Echo is in this yeah. record, particularly in some of the vocal styling, like in Fear of Art, you know, that cadence and drop in intonations within phrases that Gilliband do so well. I mean, it's mm. there. But also I, I really like it because it's doing a, you know, a, a rock thing that I really enjoy. You know, it has intention. It has classic rock elements. You know, there's parts of it that have like nuclear sounds, era ash, you know, elements to it. It, it kind of reminds me of an album that I love um, called Restraining Bolt by a band called Radish, um, which Ben Queller was deep the cut. guitarist and singer. And yeah, Deep Cut, though. It, I mean, Restraining Bolt is an amazing, amazing, like, post grunge I've only listened to Ben Queller's uh, like record. solo stuff oh no you know R- okay. Restraining Bolt he has a lot of res- of radish tracks on okay. his um solo records um Little Pink Stars oh. on his first record Amazing. for example uh so yes dig into that but it has that kind of do you know what it has and and this is why I think the radish uh thing comes to me is that in dips between genres and phases, not that we can really make them right now because so many genres happen at the same time. In rock, though, bands and records and sounds happen that are in the mm. ebb. And I think we're experiencing a lot of that sound right now in rock. Be that Thumper, be that Wet Leg, be that loads of stuff where it's kind of in the ebb where it's tracing the you know the shadows of the genre but the new genre has not yes. yet emerged and i think thumper is articulating that where they're doing this really i think it's really good fun rock record that actually is really stimulating but i'm like what is this hanging its mm-hmm. hat on and I'm not, you know, it's kind of like when Woo Life made that record or whatever. And it's like, is this rock yeah. now or whatever? So I think that there's, there's, I, I feel like more globally, we're kind of in this, not in uh, geography, but just in a kind of a 360 sense. There's a bit of a, an ebb in the, in the rock thing, like post time rock or, and I kind of feel the same about, you know, Phoebe Bridgers mm. and, uh, and stuff like that, where I'm like, where is the hat being hung on? And I feel that Thumper are doing what they're doing in a way that is really successful and great and fucking love a bit of double drumming and all mm. that kind of stuff. And that and it sounds deadly. And I think it speaks to more like what's next? Yeah. Like where can you actually like mm. click into what do you what Andre, I wanna hear what you think about like, that. The idea of what's next for rock is like it's impossible it's an it's an impossible thing because we have people making rock now who haven't been part of the rock conversation uh before i don't know if you've seen much of the response to wet leg whenever they um 
whenever they post something on social media. But I mean, it's 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 that kind of time old thing of like, oh, this isn't rock music. So so you've so oh, you've right, got, okay, yeah, no, oh, I'm like, totally. Oh, it's really this. it's really bad. Yeah. They, they they have to turn off their comments on their on their TikTok. Um, the thing oh, now geez. is that um, you're you're called an industry plant. That's the that's the new. Uh, oh yeah. That's the new thing. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of. Like wet leg, the notorious false flag operation yeah. by the Kremlin. Psyop wet leg. Like, but yeah, I do. <laughs> I do think that um, I'm so interested in in where we are at with rock music because I think that ebb, it, so much of it is to do with nostalgia and to do with um, what what are the the touch points that we're looking at and culturally, you know, the 2010s don't seem nearly as far away from us now as the 90s did in the 2010s like I feel like everything's that bit more mm. squashed um and maybe that's my age but I I, I feel like no you're totally you know, right like I, I, you're I feel totally like the right. kids know who the strokes are the kids know the, the kids know about rock music in New York in the 2000s um and I don't know what the next wave will be or what the next crest will be because I just think that the the future is this sort of like hyper specific tailored like algorithmically tailored um music music for you as opposed to scenes and you know genres and and things becoming big um in in a much more scene kind of way um but I'm I'm fascinated like I'm I'm endlessly fascinated whenever anybody calls something the future of particularly rock music because more of like yeah. they never are. <laughs> um, but it's this desperation we all have to kind of believe that it still exists in a way that it used to or in a way that. Um, but it totally does. It exists in so, like the Mary Wallopers. Yeah you know, is rock. Yeah, and weird, it is, right? it is. And it's, and it's not, it's not this men with guitars, um, idea anymore. And I think a lot of people are quite resistant to it diversifying, not, not in gender or race, but diversifying in, in terms of, you know, it dealing with pop music and hip hop music and just looking outside of the influences that have that have come before and kind of looking around itself. So I I hope the future of rock looks around itself and stops looking backwards um or stops looking backwards as much. Um that would be my that's what I I would hang my hat on and if I had my rock band that's what I would do. <laughs> but I do not have a rock band. <laughs> Nor should I. Um so <laughs> yeah. out of interest. What do, what do you think? What do you think, Nyler? Well, I think it's it's uh, it's kind of incredible that again, to reiterate that no disrespect to Thumper, that Gillaband's album is not here because I, I think Correct. they are the most interesting, not just Irish band, interesting Irish interesting rock band around pretty much. Um interesting artists yeah. like you know i mean when they did the um thing in the fringe with that dance piece night oh, yeah. moves was it called yeah, yeah. i mean you're j again it's like the just mustard thing it's like oh you're j you're so you're so creative that that form is just a mm -hmm. medium yeah yeah you know that you can go anywhere like the immediate or something is a band full of fucking painters and mm -hmm. poets you know yeah um uh, yeah, I'm interested. I mean, the best uh, rock album of the year so far uh, this year is uh, by 
uh, the rapper Little Yachty. So that's good. Yeah. Um, that's playing with the form anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of over a lot of that discourse and I don't really care about like, you know, enemy or like, whoa, oh, rock is back. Rock is always around. Rock is always doing stuff. Mm. Um, you know, I think you find your pocket of, of what you love in that and and you, yeah, music for you, whatever you want to call it. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm always struggling with rock music now these days because I find a lot of it just, I've heard it so much before and that's just, whether that's age and experience, I find it very hard to, but I do love the Wet Leg record. I do think it's great fun. I do as And well. I think they do something really interesting and no gatekeeping here for me in that one. I'm I completely fucking baffled by the Wet Leg like backlash honest to god like if like look up them winning at the brits or something and just read read the comments like it is it's genuinely worrying um but it's much i think it's much more of a culture war issue than anything else which obviously affects music but that's you know i was not aware of it until this point and i just think it's it's you know it's just Brexit, really, <laughs> isn't it? When it comes down to it, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that's just. I mean, that's just like the thing that informs cultural discourse in yeah. the UK. Is just like people are taking something we didn't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's the ten records um, <laughs> to finish because we're keeping you a very long time here. Uh, can we say what album you'd like to win and what album you think will win? Can we do what we think will win individually and then like... Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. What I think will win... What I did on my holidays... Is... Gothoben is... I... Do you know what? I actually... I actually don't know. And I know that's a cop-out, but like, as you know, Nyler, I consistently get everything wrong in the choice. <laughs> but you, you just have to pick one and you can be wrong. It's okay. Because we're I often think, wrong with these things. I think CMAT will win. Okay. Um, or the Mary Whoppers or Fontaine's. <laughs> <laughs> or any of these 10 records. <laughs> I I think CMAT will win and I want CMAT to win. Those are my... That's my two. Okay. Um, but yeah. if it's not CMAT, who I think will win, let me look at the list again. If it's not CMAT, I think Sorka Richardson will win. Yeah, oh, that's a dark horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dark, dark yeah. horse. I think it feels like the right thing to say right now is that you think that CMAT will probably win. Yeah. But that's not how these things work out. So, you know. We're in an intense groupthink scenario right now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just yeah. want to flag yeah. that. But I am, yeah, I mean, it all depends on what happens in the room. Um, the list of judges are on the choicemusicprize.com website. You can have a look at them. Um, and I haven't a look at that you list. You can lobby I'm them. Like, you can email them. <laughs> you can if you Get want. I mean, they don't have to listen to you. But, um, <laughs> you know. None of it is FOIable yeah, as well. It's all, a yeah. lot about, you know, the personalities in the room and who cares enough to argue for it and how, how the conversation goes. And we really can't predict that. That's why it's so hard to predict yeah. who wins the choice. Well, Niall, you haven't given us your choices yet. No, I think I'd love the Mary Walpers to win. Okay. Um, and who do you think will win? I also have a sneaking suspicion that Fontaine's might do it this year. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, it's so hard. I haven't given, can I give my want? Yeah. Oh yeah. My, my yes, want please. and my, my need. So the record that I want to win that I actually think is the record is the Mary Walpers. Okay. okay. So you, okay. you're aligned in your wants, the two of you. Yeah. Like, obviously I think, like, I think Serica, CMOS, Fontaine, yeah, I, I, there's something about the Mary Wallopers record that gives me a brilliant um, push into the day. Mm. And I think that what they're doing might be overlooked because it feels familiar. And because and, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually think they nailed it, you know, and loads of people did. I love the Pillow Queens record as well, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's. I think that will be deadly. Yeah. Like, there's no. Yeah, there's loads of words. Can I? Here, so, can I? Can I, I mean, ask a question that that always comes up in these conversations? Do we think it's a good list? Yes, I think. Uh, do you know? Sometimes I'm surprised there's not more. Like, very. There's not a lot of variation in this in terms of like. It feels like it's drawn from the well of of albums that I write about a lot. Um, or the kind but of you are the tastemaker of Irish music, Niall. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see, like, I would have loved to see Carl Begley in there, for example. Yeah, some yeah. more electronic stuff, like you said. Um, a bit of variation, I guess. I wonder, is there is there jazz acts that are are quietly disgruntled about not being featured the way? You're a jazz act that's quietly disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's a good list for. For my experience of Irish music, mm. um, I... Uh, you know what? I I feel that we haven't addressed the elephant mm-hmm. in the room, which is the fact that all of these records were in full or partially made in a pandemic. Yeah. Mm. And I know it's gone-ish, but I feel that, one, there's not enough credit for people being able to fucking yeah. create in that environment. Mm. Hello, like that is an astonishing achievement for people to be able to make, you know, conceive of, record and put a record out. And the other thing is, I feel that in them, mm. in some of them. Yeah. And and of course you do, because in the same way that you look at post-war abstract art and see a thing, or you look at, you know, post 9-11 records and you hear a, a thing. Yeah. So that's kind of an un, you know, named aspect of this era of creation that we're in and, and where people are coming out of. And I feel that there's an unmoredness in a lot of these albums. And I think that we could probably all relate mm. to that in a weird way. Yeah, I actually went back and listened to our, our big chat in 2021 and there was so much, uh, there was a lot of frustration in that conversation and a lot of, you know, <laughs> about the things we couldn't do, particularly about the Roisin Murphy album that we discussed and, mm. you know, people not oh, being able yeah. to go and dance and stuff like that. It was just like, it was a nice reminder that we've come far <laughs> since then, which is uh, maybe a nice way to leave uh, this discussion. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the Choice Music Prize Irish Album of the Year nominees, uh, choicemusicprize.com. Uh, all be, they will all be announced on March uh, Thursday, March 9th, um, on the night. Uh, so, and I think there's a 2FM and uh, 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 2FM broadcast and 2RT, what's it called? RT2? RT2. 
Two, yeah. It was like <laughs> not network two. Network two. <laughs> Hello. Remember the remember the dead. Remember the dead. Um the and on uh Niall and Andrew, will you be there on the night? I, yeah, I won't. Of course. I won't because you're, I'm gonna be ra- in on the ninth I will be in Jaipur. Um, or I will be in Agra. Oh, yes, let's so go. I'll be, I'll, I'll be whatever restaurant I'm in in India. I will be asking them, do they have network too? And I will be <laughs> explaining all of these acts to them. The future of music. You don't even understand. Stock that data robing up for the RT player. Yeah. Get your VPN in. <laughs> you know what's up. Well, yeah, no, unfortunately I won't be there. It's my first time missing it in, I don't know how many years. Like I'm devastated. But, you know, say la vie. It's not the worst problem in the world to have. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll swap you. I'll swap yeah, you if you want. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> well, listen, Una, thanks so much. You'll be there on the night. I shall. It is the day after my birthday, oh, as it lovely. always is. Goodness. So, What's your sign, Una? You know, uh, I'm Pisces. Pisces, babe. You know it. <laughs> Fellow water Pisces sign. season. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Ula and Andrea, thanks so much. Thanks, and, guys. Uh, chat to you again soon. Thanks, Emil. You've been listening to the Northern Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.